In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss the Sixers trade deadline activity, where they acquired veteran point guard George Hill for Tony Bradley, Vincent Poirier, Terrence Ferguson, and a slew of second round draft picks. We discuss why the Sixers pivoted to Hill, whether they should have met Toronto's asking price for Lowry, discuss what Hill will provide for the playoff run, and whether the Sixers should bring Hill back for next season. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a post-trade deadline edition of the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? I'm great, man. It was... uh, That's all I got. I was expecting a little bit more. You threw me off a little bit with the lack of a follow-up there, but we will move on. We are professionals at this. Uh, You know, I think it... On the one hand, it turned out to be, if you go back, uh, I know I said I thought George Hill was most likely because the cost to acquire him would be the least. It turned out that was the case. A little bit of disappointment, I think, that they could have raised their championship odds a little more than they did, but not a bad move for sure. So I guess before we even get into any of that, uh, let's go over what the trade was. So what I'm going to say here is from the Sixers perspective, uh, they are receiving George Hill and... Uh, Ignas Brazdikas, we'll go with that. Sure, Iggy. Sure, Iggy. Another Iggy. Can't can't go wrong there. Uh, so that is what is coming into the Sixers. Uh, Brazdikas is a 22 year old small forward from Lithuania, I think it is. Uh, I can't tell you. I whole, know a whole lot about him. Uh, I'm sure we will look into it in the future, but he could also be released for a buyout candidate. We will see. Uh, Sending out the Sixers are sending out Tony Bradley, Terrence Ferguson, and Vincent Poyer. Those are the three contracts that were used to match salary for George Hill. Uh, they're also sending out uh, the rights, a rights-held player, um, Amir. Nope, not going to try. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> never said his name before. I should have said it before the podcast. A rights. Uh, they are sending the rights to Amir. We'll just go with that. A 2021 second-round pick, the Sixers' own second-round pick to the Knicks. A 2024 second round pick from Miami, which is top 55 protected. Also to the Knicks, a 2025 second round pick, 76ers second round pick to the Thunder. A 2026 Sixers second round pick also to the Thunder. So in reality, that Miami pick is very unlikely to ever convey. So you don't pick. Yeah, it's a fake pick. You don't really have to. And I mean, unless Miami is one of the top five teams in the league, which isn't impossible, but it's it's unlikely. Uh, The. Second round pick that they're sending out to the Knicks this year is probably going to be in the final five as well. So it is going out. It's not very valuable, though. They did keep the Knicks pick that they have this year, which is the more valuable of the two second round picks. And then a couple mm-hmm. of picks far into the future. You know, I think if, if you go back, we were talking about George Hill, like it would be an acquisition that would cost you a uh, second round pick or two. So they ended up sending out, we'll call it three, because that Miami pick is a Fugazi pick. It's not really uh, going to be conveyed so they ended up sending three um and part of that is because they had to loop uh, not really part of it the real reason they had to send that third one out is because they had to loop new york into the trade they couldn't trade terrence ferguson and vincent poirier back to the thunder because they thought the thunder traded them to the sixers back in december uh so they wouldn't be able to reacquire those two players in a trade during this season 
Uh, so that is why they had to loop in the Knicks. The Knicks essentially get a free second round pick and a fake second round pick for their efforts. Uh, I think they already released Vincent Poirier. Uh, the Knicks basically just got a, a pick to facilitate the trade. Uh, so that is why it ended up costing three picks instead of two picks. Overall, though, you know, I think that is, um, I think when I was thinking one pick, it would probably would have been the Knicks pick, which is more of a middle second round pick. So two late, two second round picks that are probably going to be late and are far into the future is probably roughly fair value uh, for, for George Hill. Yeah, I think, uh, well, well, let's get into the Hill versus Lowry negotiation. I mean, Daryl Morey said in his post-mortem press conference that uh, that there were only about two or three options that the Sixers were looking right. at. He said there were like two or three options that he felt would have really improved their championship odds. George Hill is one of them. He did not mention Kyle Lowry by name. He is not permitted to mention Kyle Lowry by name. We can all read the tea leaves. Kyle Lowry was obviously one of the, uh, the other remaining ones. So yeah, they ended up deciding to go with Hill. Uh, I think Hill is sort of a hedge. You know, he, and 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 Daryl talked about this. Um, he says you know, he looks at at what I'm trying to do is maximize our chance of winning the title over a three to five year window with more weight applied to this year's chances. Uh, so he then says, if there's a move that ups our odds a little bit more this year, but really hurts our odds in the future, then that doesn't make sense. He went on to say, if it's a move that ups our odds a decent amount this year, but doesn't affect our future odds, then that's a move that looks pretty interesting. I think that is a, you know, I think he would, he then goes on to say that I think this move has very materially increased our championship odds. Uh, I would probably say that's overextending it a little bit. I do think George Hill will help uh, and it comes at almost no cost in the future, whether that is a first round draft pick or two that would have cost for Kyle Lowry, whether that is Matisse Leibel or Tyrese Maxey that you would have cost for Kyle Lowry. There's none of that downside in this trade. Far less upside, I think, but none of the downside. Uh, so he is, I mean, that's why I said, I think he's hedging his bets a little bit. He's not upping his chances this year as much as he could have, but he's not having any real risk. I will say though, like when he says a three to five year championship window, I think another point in the press conference, he said two to four, he's kind of mixed them up in, in various. If you look at Kyle Lowry, if you bring him back, Kyle Lowry could have helped you in all three of those three years in the window. Maybe not. You don't know how much, you don't know how he would have aged, um, but I don't think it would have necessarily just been one year. It could have been two years. It could have been three years where Kyle could have helped you. So I think there was some, and, and look, by all reports and my own, um, what I've been hearing as well, Sixers were very in on Kyle Lowry. I think a lot of people who were like anti don't make a Kyle Lowry trade because you don't want to give up Danny Green and you don't want to give up pieces of your future. I think the Sixers were really, and I think I know the Sixers were really interested in Kyle Lowry. The price ended up being more than they were willing to pay. But that doesn't mean like they were out on Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think I think they could, and right up to the end, even after the Hill acquisition, if they would have come to agreement, Kyle Lowry would be a Sixer. Uh, if you if this was a, an instance where you could have gotten Kyle Lowry for matching salary and Danny Green and Mike Scott, along with Tyrese Maxey in a first, I think the Sixers, and from what I've been hearing, the Sixers do that deal. It just became too much uh, added on to that, and. Um, yeah, I think this is a sensible pivot. Uh, if When you start looking at what was the asking price or the reported asking price of Thibel and Maxi and two firsts, when we spoke about this in the past, I wasn't comfortable with that. We were comfortable with Maxi and a first. I think at one point we had discussed Maxi and maybe two firsts, uh, three total of that 
four-player pick package combination. All four was just, and three were sort of borderline uncomfortable with. Four was too much. It was too much. Yeah. Uh, and congrats to Matisse for moving to the top of that uh, Yeah, that list of packages and players. I mean, it, it's been a meteoric rise. I would say he was at the bottom of it to start the year, but the uh, the defense has cert- or, uh, has certainly allowed him to move up. I uh, I do get a kick when Maury talks about the three-year championship window just because I would have loved to have t- um, heard what Hinky thought about the three-year window that uh, that he set on the the three-year scorched earth window to create the championship window. Yeah. The um, can I can I well, it, while we're also talking about you know funny comments, Daryl Morey. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up because he said the exact same thing about Tobias Harris like two days prior. Uh, his tweet today, and make no Danny mistake Green. about it. 24 hours ago, he was willing to take trade Danny Green. It didn't happen because of other particulars. Today, Daryl Morey at D Green 14 is the most professional, consistent star player in the NBA. Gives us a chance to win every night and delivers in crunch time. Said the exact same thing, literally the exact same tweets with a different Twitter handle about Tobias a couple days ago. Calling him a star player is funny. It's I mean, it's just like you have to embellish a little bit. I get it, but it's funny. He's clearly not. And also to do that within 24 hours of when you would have traded him and very like all kinds of reports everywhere you traded him. Daryl Morey would have traded Danny Green 24 hours ago. The public relations aspect of that post is it's funny to me. This is 2021. Uh, NBA basketball. Well, D- Danny Green is a star player over the past week, I would say. Oh, yeah, the, uh, he has been. He's been great. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball, and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-2707-117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic Plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. The shooting is, is just insane, and he's bailed the Sixers out in different ways in, uh, in New York and Los Angeles. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been awesome. I, I think at least Danny Green, I, I get the sense that he understood that the Sixers would have traded him, but only for something really good, right? Kyle Lowry and and here's what I'll say: there were reports that the Sixers um, were talking to the Warriors about Danny Green, and that led to all kinds of speculation, like would they trade him for Kelly Oubre? Was something else on the table? 
from what I understand, the only way the Sixers and, and the Sixers there were, were discussions about trading Danny Green. The only way Danny Green was being traded was in that package for Kyle Lowry, and that would have been shipped off to a third team. I don't believe, from my from what I've been told, there wasn't another deal on the table that they were considering for Danny Green. It was part of that Kyle Lowry trade package, which which would have grown to a three team deal. I don't think they were looking to shop Danny Green or flip him for a Kelly Oubre type, you know, different part. It was directly tied to that Kyle Lowry. That was the only way, from my understanding, he was going out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think your your comments about did this really increase the uh, the championship window for this year? No, I'm not sure. But l- like you said, there was a calculus of, or uh, sorry, the, the championship window just for this year. Um, but there was a calculus that whatever Lowry would have cost would have hurt them in uh, in subsequent years. And time will tell if that is the, uh, that's the right answer. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, George Hill is a, a rock solid role player, but I, I think my, my take is if the Sixers do make a deep run this year, it will, it'll happen because this team is closer to their championship ceiling than maybe we thought right now. Sure. They are going to have to do it with the general framework that they have now. Defense first, Embiid really taking a, a big scoring load, Tobias Harris taking a big scoring load at the end of games, and George Hill is more of a supplementary piece. You know, he's I, I think the way I phrased it in our, our piece at the Athletic yesterday was Which one dollar a month. If you're not a subscriber, go check it out. Yep, go do that. Was it Kyle Lowry? Or sorry, let's let's start it the other way. George Hill is supplementing the core of Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. Kyle Lowry probably would have been part of that core for a couple right. of years. So so there there's he, a difference. He, w- there. he would have he would have changed not changed your identity, but he would have added an element to your identity that you previously didn't have. And, and I, you know, we'll see how it turns out. But I, I think Kyle Lowry would have given. The Sixers a higher ceiling. Now I, I do understand if you if you trade Green and Thibel, that's a tough spot because you're you're really shallow on the wings at that point. Um, you know I'm looking at the Sixers' potential rotations now. They, they have some in, in the Daryl term, in the Sam term. They have some optionality with yeah. the ways they can go yeah. about it. They have you know they can play small. They can play with George Hill at the end of games. And we'll get to that in a second, because I thought that was one of the more, um, more interesting takeaways from yesterday was the George Hill at the end of game stuff, but they they just have different ways to play. And, you know, because of Kyle Lowry's high salary and the constraints that the Sixers were working under, both with what Toronto was looking for in terms of the young player picks and just, you have to include Danny Green in the trade. I, I understand why maybe, you know, you add Kyle Lowry, you become a lot more top heavy, um, yeah. which is, you know, and look, that's, it, it would have been a pretty exciting uh, core for, for them to, to move forward with. So yeah, I, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting move. I, I guess we'll go to Hill next. I, the, the one takeaway I would have from, uh, from Maury's post press conference was that they weren't, as confident about playing Seth Curry in end of game minutes, I would say. 
Yeah, I, well, it certainly felt like they, um, yeah, I mean, w- one of the things they, they brought up a lot was uh, having five two-way players. And, <laughs> and the, un- and the unspoken that, part of that is, is yeah, Seth, Seth Curry is, yeah. is not a two-way player. Which, to be fair, I think Seth has probably closed out more games, at least in the first half of yeah. the games that have been played. I think Seth probably closed out more than Danny, right. So maybe, maybe it's just having an option of you can go to an all-five uh, two-way lineup or you can go to um you know having another like they play shake a lot instead of of danny at the end so now you have an option maybe you go with george hill instead of of shake at the end of games uh, and, and and keep seth in there if you need more shooting i don't it does Thibble seem like too. they have some and Thibel too uh they have they do have some more options and this is a team that has some decent depth now it'll be interesting to see how those rotations shake out when they shorten them for the playoffs um yeah, I think, you know, one thing Daryl did when he went back to talk about George Hill is he compared it sort of like to Danny Green. He was talking about, you know, the two-way with the shooting and the veteran um, experience and the playoff experience. And I, I agree with that, but I also look at the move in general as sort of like a Danny Green-esque move where he will add value. He won't take a whole lot away. There's no major, like he will be a consistent, reliable player who can add some value on both ends of the court. He's not going to transform your title odds. He's not going to transform the way you play the game, but he will provide value in that regard. And also now you have a contract that you can use as a trade chip. If something bigger comes along. And I do think that is part of it. You know, George Hill has a, what I want to say like a $10 million contract for next season. Only about a million and change is guaranteed of that. I would expect unless George Hill has some injury problems and the thumb, I don't think is going to be a long-term thing. I would expect the Sixers will keep him on the roster in part because, you know, he might still be a good player at 35, 36 years old, or if not, he will be a trade chip that they can use to help match match salary. And either way that ends up having value to the Sixers more than, than having a million and a half dead cap and not having him with you. So I think he will be around for next season. I think he does. You know, if you use George Hill's 10 million and you trade, let's say that $8.29 million trade exception in summer. So you get another expiring contract now you have some real matching salary. It does give that, them some sl- flexibility along with your young pieces in, uh, you know, Milton and Maxi and Thibel where they can try, like maybe they just look back and they said, look, we liked Kyle Lowry. The price got to be too much. Uh, and if I'm being completely honest, I think both the Raptors and the Sixers expected somebody to blink at the end and neither team, either but- I think the Raptors expected the Sixers to willing to offer something they wouldn't or the Sixers Wait. expect the Raptors to come down. It seems like your team did real quick. Toronto. Uh, yeah. I don't what know are what you doing? doing? I don't know what they're doing. Um, I, I, what are you think, doing? I think they might think they'll get more in a sign and trade this summer. I'm not sure that is true. Uh, That's a pretty big risk. He <laughs> can just walk to Miami for nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a good chance he might walk to Miami for nothing. Um, By the way, every report was that he wanted to play in Miami. I mean, who yeah. knows what, what is true and, where he's willing to go depending on the price and, and team or whatever. But man, I mean, if you could have gotten a first round pick and Tyrese Maxey, I, I will be very curious to see if they do better than that. This, uh, this off season, because my guess is they're not going to. No, <laughs> I agree. Uh, and I th- also, I, also to get this close. I mean, you, you, he was in every trade rumor possible. Like, yeah. and you know, obviously n- nobody was denying it. Daryl Morey wasn't denying it yesterday. I mean, he, he couldn't talk about it, but he essentially wasn't denying it. Masai Ujiri wasn't denying it. Danny Green wasn't denying it. Kyle Lowry wasn't denying it. Like yeah. his, his game on Wednesday night felt very much like a goodbye. What are they doing? 
Yeah, I don't know. And like I said, I think I think probably both the Sixers and the Heat expected the Raptors to blink, and they just didn't blink. And I don't know if the Sixers ever thought that they would accept the Sixers package over Miami's package, but I think they expected them to come down a little bit. And I don't, I don't think Masai ever did. It, it was a, a interesting negotiating tactic. So, um, so you look at some of those Heat deals. Like the Heat deal was bad, right? If it's just right. Duncan Robinson. Because then you have to pay him next year, and maybe you don't want to do that. Good player, Duncan Robinson. And I would, I would get why Miami doesn't want to include Ty- Tyler Hero right now, because quite frankly, Tyler Hero's value is probably at a low point. Like, he's not shooting yeah. the ball well from the perimeter. You expect that to bounce back. I, I understand, even if, if Tyler Hero is maybe overrated six months ago, well, that, that doesn't mean his value is going to keep going down. It just means he's at a low point right now. I would get why Miami wouldn't want to include that, but without him, you really didn't have a compelling offer. And why and would late, Mi- why would Miami make a compelling offer when they think they can get him in, in a couple months anyway? Well, and really, that's their only way to make a compelling offer because they don't have picks. And yeah. you know, people say that for Toronto, a late first round pick from the Sixers is you know kind of a a big whoop. Whatever. I don't know, man. Having that and Maxi, both low cost assets, players, whatever. I don't know. I I think if I if I was running Toronto, I I would have been interested in that if uh if the Lakers and the Heat were offering up the poo poo platter just because the Sixers there's no th- those are two pretty good lottery tickets with uh with no major financial commitment moving for- forward if they don't work out. So yeah, look, we were I don't know. we were both pretty strong pro Lowry in that the Sixers should be aggressive pursuing him. We both laid out a couple podcasts ago that we weren't comfortable giving up what Toronto ultimately asked for. And also on top of that, like I think Toronto, like I think the Sixers should have had a pretty reasonable confidence that Toronto would come down their asking price and, and that the Sixers had a compelling offer and Toronto just never did. It's, it's sort of, it was strange. I expected, I very much expected Kyle Lowry to be moved and I get why Daryl Morey wouldn't want to cave into Masai's demands. That was, that was a lot for a player who could still leave from Miami. When you're left with an option of either a contract you're probably not comfortable with or him leaving to Miami, um, you have, you have interest in him because he will raise your championship odds and you could bring him back, but you're not going to give up. Uh, you know, I think, I think Masai thought he probably had a little more leverage than he did. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. Very weird. I, very weird. At least they so, had George Hill to pivot to though. Yeah, and and it's it's a fine pivot, but you know, on the other hand, I would have been pretty juiced about Lowry. You Very know, much. I, I would Very have much. been. I can be I, disappointed that you're not going to get to watch Kyle Lowry with the Sixers and think that the Sixers didn't upgrade their championship odds as much as they might have been able to, while also recognizing like two picks, Maxi and Thibel is just it's just too much. You have no way to pivot in the future if it doesn't work out this year. Uh, there was a point. Uh, Maxi, like we've repeated this. Maxi and a first, do it. Maxi and two first, maybe. Um, but adding Thibel in there, it's just there's. I don't know. Who who are you getting on the wing in the playoffs to to defend right. people? And that's when a big Simmons and part Harris of it. If the whole thing is going all in on this year, and I'm not. When I say like adding Maxi is too much, I don't mean Maxi is necessarily going to be a sixer for the next eight years. He might end up being in a, a piece in a trade package that makes a little more long-term sense than Lowry in the future. Uh, and I think you need, I look at everything outside of Joel as, yeah, they can help you now. And also if they keep improving, they can, you know, help you in the future in a trade too. Like everything is on the table for me. I don't get too attached to any singular person or asset or anything like that. Um, but you can't leave yourself with no trade assets and also no wing depth 
for the uh, the playoff run. That's just it's too much. It's too much. So yeah, so they don't have the the pie end talent maybe of a Lowry, but their depth is is better and and there are more options. Hopefully, some of those players can can break through. I mean, having depth when players seven to nine are unreliable, that's not going to get you that far. The uh, and I would say with uh, with that in mind. So Curry is one guy who who might see his role decrease a little bit. And it, look, it's not guaranteed. Shit, man, if he shoots 45% in the playoffs, it's not like he's going to play much less than his regular season time, you know? Um, so that's one of it. The, the other guy who I think might see his role decrease a little bit just because George Hill does a lot of the same things that he does. Shake. And, frank, and frankly, yeah, he has more of a playoff track record. He shot the ball better this season is uh, is Shake Milton. Again, we'll see. I, I don't think this means that Shake Milton is um, is any less in the Sixers' plans over the next few years. It's just it's it's a hedge against a lot of different things. It's a hedge against. I mean, it's also a hedge against Matisse not being like going through a shooting slump and not being playable because now you can maybe slide Shake to the wing or you can run a couple yeah. point guards. You, there's a if anyone is having a bad night or has a bad yeah. matchup, they do have one more option now, and it, that is good because a lot of these bench pieces are unproven and streaky with really serious holes in their games. It is good to have another option in that regard. For yeah. sure. I'm, I, I think we will like, um, if, if you think Georgia. about it this way, if you think about it this way, they have three spots for the, for the minutes that matter that are taken up. You have Embiid, Simmons, Harris, fine. Pet, uh, put them in. Then you have two other spots. And I think you arguably have five people who can fill those spots, now, which is, it's not nothing, you know. It'll be yeah. uh, it'll be interesting. The uh, the conventional wisdom is, if you're if you're changing those people in and out every night, then maybe you don't have a uh, a closing lineup. I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, yeah, it's a hedge against budget. I mean, it's a hedge against having to go offense defense with Seth and uh, and Matisse and, and find somebody who's kind of in the middle, like uh, like George Hill. I like that George Hill can play on and off the ball. That's nice. He can uh, yeah. he can run some pick and roll maybe with Simmons on backup units. Let's say he plays with Shake. He can take a little bit of the uh, the burden off Shake's overtaxed shoulders at this uh, at this point. But he also can just spot up and uh, and shoot. I looked at uh, his stats from last year, and last year was definitely an outlier shooting season for him when he uh, when he went forty six percent from beyond the arc. the uh, The top two players uh, via Synergy Sports with uh, with over fifty spot up attempts in the NBA were George Hill number one, Seth Curry number two. Well, he's also so, and and this is low sample good. size because he's he's only played like what seventeen games or something like that. He's also at the ninety sixth percentile in spot up this year as well. Yeah, which is well. Look, okay. when you play with the with the stretch five like Al Horford, that's going to open up different spots. It's funny. I was looking at some of his pick and roll possessions, and there was there was a lot of Hill Horf stuff going on <laughs> early in the uh, early in the season. So yeah, I, he he is a he's just a rock solid yeah, rotation he's, rotational he's, guard. He's not going to wow you with his shot creation, either for himself or for others. You're not, he's not going to solve your late game offense or your half court playoff 
initiating. He's more of a, he doesn't make mistakes with the ball, but he's not a high level creator or vision guy, but he is rock solid is the way to put it. He will make his spot up shots. He's reliable with the ball in the hand steady. Uh, he will play really well defensively. He can, I mean, Daryl mentioned it, but he can guard up and down his position, which I don't know how he can really guard down his position since the point guard, there's no real downward mobility there, but he can certainly guard a, a spot up on occasion. Uh, he is, uh, he's solid and he, I think he will be solid for the Sixers. And, and if George Hill ends up being the right call, even for this year, the final takeaway will be that Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris were better than we thought right. coming and, into it. Because, you, yep. because I think they are a little bit short of of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But to, to be fair to them, I don't know if Lowry would have put them over the top. It would have given them a better chance, in my opinion. But if those guys are closer than we thought, if, uh, if the, the way this team is playing right now and the system that Doc and, and Dan Burke, Dan Burke, who also coached uh, George Hill sure. for a long time in uh, in Indiana, um, you know, this second-ranked defense, which, you know, I don't know if we've talked about a lot, but they're dude, they're really guarding right now yeah. with, uh, with no Embiid, which is awesome to see. Um, you know, if this current framework is closer than we think, then George Hill might be the— uh, might be the right call, but uh, yeah, certainly, certainly not Kyle Lowry. And that is that right there is why Rich is the most professional and consistent star podcaster in the Athletic, and he gives us a chance to have a good podcast and delivers every night. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. What's uh my my replacement <laughs> podcasting value is not that high. But, uh... <laughs> I'm just I'm taking the the Daryl quote that he recycled for Tobias and Danny and applying it to you. Sure. I mean, let's let's be honest. He's been doing that all year. He did it with Thibel. You know, he I, I made a tweet earlier this year about Thibel in a two three zone is, is a first all first team all NBA defender and he puts the old uh the old social network quote with uh with Justin Timberlake saying drop the first team all defender or uh, mm-hmm. or drop the two three zone part which by the way I, I would say to Daryl Morey, comparing yourself to Sean Parker, probably not the, the best thing <laughs> in the world in that uh, in that story. But also, like, Matisse was gone in that Harden trade. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and- yeah hey, hey, look, it's it's okay. You could want to trade players and still think they're good at the right. same time. There are. It's, it's okay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it goes back. Like, if the Athletic wanted to trade me for Zach Lowe, I would. I, I get it. I get it. Um Look, and it goes back to uh, we don't need to get into that. Um, I think uh, I think I think they made a sensible pivot. I don't think he increases their odds as much as Lowry, but Lowry wasn't like you said. Lowry wasn't a guarantee, and there was a point where you become uncomfortable with a increase in odds for what you were giving up in both the future in productivity and also in trade chips. And I think they uh, I think Toronto was probably asking for too much based on what I've heard and the other reports out there. Uh, so I, I, I understand. I'm, I'm glad Daryl had, if I, if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be glad Daryl had interest in Lowry. And also I think if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be okay with them knowing when to walk away. Uh, and it seems like that has happened. Um, yeah. It, it, I think it would have been real easy to talk yourself. Well, it's only one more asset or it's only uh, one more pick uh, and you can get, it can become dangerous thinking like that. So I get it. It's, 
It's been a relatively patient year from Daryl Morey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, not to say that he didn't try for some of the bigger moves, but there was a uh, a walkaway price on both of those that uh, that he ended up using because uh, because he didn't get James Harden or Kyle Lowry. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Two players he likes quite a bit. Which sure. why why wouldn't you like them? But yep. two players that he actually had traded for in the in the past, and uh, yeah, and I mean. I don't know. It's 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 pretty hard to evaluate this team right now. They are well. They're winning everything. Uh, they're, I mean, handle, they're, winning they're every handling game. the regular. Right, right. I <laughs> mean, they're winning the every game they play. Better. Not that they're going to win the title. Right. Uh, no, and it was interesting because he he did acknowledge like I would probably make Brooklyn the favorite. Like he said that last <laughs> night, and which I wasn't expecting. And then he kind of hedged like, oh, but I I think it's close and blah blah blah. Um, I would still make Brooklyn the favorite. I think this is a really good team. Uh, I do I do like the way that they are positioned to make future moves. But we will, we'll see. It's why they play the games. That's why they play the games. Uh, yeah, that Brooklyn yeah, acknowledging really acknowledging that another team is a favorite is. Uh, I don't know that 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 was a new thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still think they're. But that's okay. Sixers are really good. Really good. They're, they're, really they're good. playing way better than I thought they would ever play with uh, without Embiid. By the way, Embiid. Little tough for the MVP odds with uh with the team still rolling right. Now. <laughs> well, but also like it 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 goes sort of I I think I go back to the fact that he's missed too many games and I think that's gonna hurt him no matter if they would have won or he lost. wasn't gonna get he wasn't gonna get it anyway. But I'm just saying if we gotta go if we watch this team throw up slop when when they suck without him this guy is the MVP yeah. yeah. But They're also, like, if, right if, if if he would have missed uh, these games and would have fallen third in the Eastern Conference, then they someone would have been like, oh, well, the Sixers are a third-place team. At the end of the year, Sixers are a third-place team in the Eastern Conference. You can't, like, that's the one trump card he had over uh, over the Nuggets. Um, so I think yeah. I think missing games would have ended up, like, I think the way I phrased this before is, if you miss six games and the team goes one and five, that helps you. If you miss 16 games, it hurts you no matter what. Uh, and I think that is a point where he was, where he was at. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how all these pieces fit. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the buyout market because right now they're a little small on, on big men. Uh, you have Dwight after having only big men and only one position big men. You now have Dwight and Paul Reed, and that is just about it. And of course, Dwight then goes and gets ejected um, early on in the first game. Sixers don't have a, a a slew of backup big men, which is the they- most Dwight thing ever. He he was asking for that. Yeah. He, I don't know. I mean, there is a story with his free agency when he tweeted early on that night, I'm going back to the Lakers. Yeah. And then an hour later, I'm going to the Sixers. Well, and, it, it was of course, beyond that. I think he said something like this, like, this is where I belong, or I'm going back to where I belong or something like that. And, whoops. And the Lakers, they uh, they give Montrezl Harrell the, uh, the full mid-level, which, by the way, give me... If especially if you're the Lakers, give me Dwight on his contract any day of the week over uh, Montrezl Harrell on uh, on his deal. I'm not I'm not a very big Montrezl Harrell fan. I mean, it's, uh, it's like a, like we said earlier that he is almost quite literally the reason that Doc Rivers is coach of the Sixers. It was it was pretty funny to see Doc kind of staring at those two as they were uh, were arguing because yes, Doc he played him way too much in that uh, in that series, and yeah, the Sixers played. God, they're playing Mike Scott at the uh, yeah. 
at the five. And Mike Scott, I got to say, he had three shots that missed from three by a combined, <laughs> I mean, a combined 15 feet. Mike Scott is, <laughs> is bad right now. Um, he's, maybe he was a little better. He held up defensively against the Lakers team that couldn't, couldn't score, but oh, I think he was two of eight from three last night. Mike Scott, I, we're, we're veering into much less consequential stuff than the Kyle Lowry discussion. Can, can you play Paul Reed at the five instead of Mike Scott? Let's just yeah. do it. No, I, w- I was, I was, because you, you knew he didn't want to start Dwight because he doesn't like starting Dwight, which I get. He's played better off the bench. Um, I was secretly hoping, not expecting, but hoping for um, Paul Reed starter. Paul Reed b-ball starter, but I get he's a uh, he is a rookie, and that is more of a um, fan favorite than an actual product productive player right now. But it would yeah. be it would be great. It'd be great. I don't know. Yeah. So that they are in a a little bit of a weird spot over the next couple weeks, which I'm not worried about because they just win all the time, so it doesn't matter. And you know their next two games are are a little bit tougher. But even if they lose those, whatever. They've, uh, I mean, what did I say before this? Like if they go like four and six and they're, yeah, they're next time they're five and one right now. Five and one. Yep. Yep. Uh, five and one. They have won 10 of their last 11. If you go back even further, they have won math in my head, 14 of their last 17 games. Uh, so they are, I mean, they're playing. It's insane. They're getting, I mean, they're getting like G league level play from Mike Scott. Ben Simmons is not even playing that well offensively and they're just, they're winning every yeah. game. It's, it's really amazing. They haven't, they haven't uh, given up more than 110 points in a game since March 3rd. Uh, and we are almost at the end of March now it is. And by the way, you should have a checkup on Embiid coming up here. I think tomorrow is a two week mark. Uh, so we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that and, and that will determine how quickly you will get a, uh, Get you all back. Hopefully it is a good update and not uh you'll be reevaluated in two weeks update. But even if it's not, apparently the Sixers just don't lose games. So that is uh yeah. Got two games up on the on the Nets and two games up on the Bucks now. Both are tied for second place in the East. I think the Bucks get a slight bump because they have one fewer loss, but um yeah. In a good spot. A- in a real good spot. Yeah, amazing. All right, gonna wrap Sounds this good. up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think now is probably a good time to end it. We don't need to go too long because we just spoke a couple of days ago. Now that that is all out of the way, we'll probably talk a little bit about buyout options in the next podcast. But then we'll get back to talking more about the typical cadence of an NBA schedule uh, and actually bigs. talk about the, the games that are in there. Yeah, stretch big should be on the menu. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.